Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Slam Podcast. My name's Steve Carroll. I'm your host today. I've been parachuted in to assist with our regular co-host, Matt Chivers, who is in Rome. I am, Steve. Um, I arrived on my first day at the golf was Thursday. And, um, yeah, it's been a top... Not that much of a tiring week, because I feel like the open week was quite similar in that you get up early and then you sort of stay late to cover stuff. Um, but yeah, it's my first Ryder Cup and it's very, very surreal. Very hot at the minute. It's quite hot in my um, Airbnb room at the minute. Um, and I was talking to... Um, I actually bumped into one of my brother's uni mates last night, who was, who was Italian. And he said, um, even, even these temperatures are too hot. It, it shouldn't actually be this hot. Well, not usually this hot in, in, in Rome for this time of year. So, Listen, thing. listen, Chivers, no one wants to hear you moan about <laughs> about getting the trip <laughs> to is. the Ryder Cup. No one wants to hear it. It's like, the, no. it's like the ultimate, it's like the ultimate sort of slap in the face for the listener. <laughs> no, to be fair, I won't moan at all. It was amazing. Um, it's a surreal event. The first one I've ever been to. Um, never been as a spectator before. I know you have, haven't you? And and as work and for work as well. No, not for work. Oh. Anyway, anyway, we've got to provide some context for this conversation right. before you All start right. running away with yourself. Yes, much of us has been at the Ryder Cup at Marco Simone, where Europe. Well, I mean, it just happens at home now, doesn't it? Europe win at home. A fantastic victory for Luke Donald's men. Got a bit, yeah. got a little bit nervy for about an hour in the afternoon on the Sunday singles, but. Europe have prevailed, they have regained the Ryder Cup from America and we go to Bethpage Black in two years and God knows what's going to happen there. I mean, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'm, sh- I'm, sure yeah. that will, I'm sure that will come up in conversation. But Matt, I mean, just give me some reflections of the three days playing Rome, if you could. And um, I mean, obviously a very deserving win for Luke Donald's men. Yeah, um, it just seems like... And to be fair, obviously that's most of the time when Europe go to America, that the, the away team just, for some reason, they just fold, I feel like. they The amount of times America, the American players would step away from short putts and that just increases the tension. That's just a specific example, but just from the get-go, it just seems from a minute, John. I think John Rahm won the first hole on the first morning and then Victor Hovland chipped in on the first hole with Ludwig Aberg as his partner. And it's just, it seemed inevitable from then. Um, and there's this thing of, I don't know, there's this thing that the Americans don't care as much as Europe. and But that can't but that can't explain why this away form is so bad and why they keep losing away from home. Because Europe or fairly regularly lose away from home as well. Um, I thought Luke Donald's, it seems like Luke Donald's done a really, really good job um, of sort of galvanising the team. Um, keeping their togetherness together in the press conference last night. Um, it was very, very busy, packed, packed in the press conference room. The whole team was there all drinking beers. Um, and Luke Donald, an example of how, of his captaincy was, he sent them all two-minute videos of things that matter to them. I think two-minute videos of, of their families. Um, and it seems like he's just done a very good job. And it wouldn't surprise me if he was the captain, Beth Page. Um, I think he was crucial to this week. Go back to this week, of course. He, I think he was crucial. Um, seems like a very popular fella among in, in the team room. Um, very cool, collected fella. The way he used to play golf as well. Very the same. Very the same when he was leading Europe this week. And yeah, it just seemed it just seemed like wave after wave. And I think a lot of the time, Ryder Cup is very much a putting competition, and the Americans weren't holding putts. They weren't. They just weren't getting it in the hole. And each time, each time that didn't happen, I feel like Europe just just took advantage and really, really capitalised on each on each American mistake. You know, you even had, you know, Bob McIntyre getting two and a half points. Nikolai Hoygaard made like seven or eight birdies with John Rahm, and you just think, why wasn't this coming from the American players? They're literally all so far higher ranked than European players. So why weren't they doing it? It, 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 it is the. It must be the hostility. It must be the hostility. Yeah, it's interesting because um, Golf Digest's Shane Ryan has written a column today 
um, which says something mm. very similar. Um, it's home advantage. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, we can, we can get into some of that. Um, but I, 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 before we sort of get into the nuts and bolts of, of, of actually what happened at Marco Simone, um, I do enjoy, I, I don't think anything is funnier than watching an American Ryder Cup autopsy after a defeat. Oh, it's brilliant. It's, yeah. it, it's absolutely hilarious. And, and everything was coming out last night and this morning. Um, it was the course. It's the format of the event. Damn it, those singles! Why can't they? Why, why, why can't they be an open draw? It's the crowds. Um, I mean, it's just. I mean, I mean, the the one thing that um, Shane, Shane wrote a piece saying essentially that the uh, the home. I'm paraphrasing here, but home crowd advantage is so important at Ryder Cups now that the the event is essentially dead um, as a spectacle. Um, which which immediately led me to think, well, if if the Ryder Cup is dead, what's the problem with the President's Cup then? They don't seem to they don't seem to have too much mm. of an issue with that, do they? Oh yeah, is it because they win every one of those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, perhaps. I mean, I mean, God Almighty! Like yesterday, there was they were even they were even barking on about Ricky Fowler's concession to Tommy Fleetwood, like forgetting forgetting the fact that like Lowry had basically put Spieth to bed at this point as far yeah. as the overall match was concerned. Oh, well, we've robbed Tommy of this possibility to make a cup to win the Ryder Cup. And um, should he should he have like given a three-footer? Well, <laughs> just get... Right, just settle down, everyone, lads. And let, it, was, it, was, it was like two feet as well. Like I know, the, I know the principle of it is you should make him putt it, but it was like, come on. Uh, Europe won this Ryder Cup because for the basically the first two days, obviously the last day was a little bit more um, nuanced in terms of form. Mm. But for for basically three sessions, they played better. Um, they played oh. a lot. They played a lot better. Now there were also some other reasons for that. I think that um, U.S. captain Zach Johnson has got to put his hands up um, for some of this. His his. I mean, I, I was sitting. I was sitting watching the the. Friday morning draw on Thursday night and thinking, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but we've got a really good chance of coming out of this session with something. Some of the pairings were just odd at that point for the opening session of a, of a Ryder Cup. I know Sam Burns is the world match play champion, but and the idea of sticking in with Scotty Scheffler was probably a sound one, but, but to have them leading the charge... Mm against a European powerhouse pairing and a raucous crowd on Friday morning was just an odd one for me. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about leading, leaving Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas out. Well, I think in the afternoon, Justin Thomas played all right, actually, but I think in the afternoon, there were some very strong reasons for leaving Jordan Spieth out in particular. Oh, so, and then to just compound that by putting them in the foursomes on Saturday morning, a guy who cannot hit the golf course at that point, um, in Jordan's speech. Thomas with Cantlay, maybe, on the, on the Saturday morning. I thought that, because he played with Cantlay in 2021, I think, in one session. But that Scheffler-Burns partnership has got to be dead in the water now. Like They couldn't even win a match at the President's Cup, and they, and they lost They lost um, on Friday. I thought I thought sending Ricky Fowler out in the very first session was absolutely baffling. Um and I thought that before they got beat. I'm not just saying that now because he he has a terrible Ryder Cup record. I think he's won th- he, before before this week. He'd won three matches in 15. Um, and I thought to send him out in the um, in the in the first session was absolutely well. I couldn't believe it. With Kepka on the bench, with Thomas on the bench, you know, you made a big song and dance of choosing Thomas. You don't leave JT at home. Well, you left him out in the first session. If he's that much for cheerleader, if he's that important. So, um, Chef, I suppose, Chauffeur Cantley was a given. Um, I mean, it's clear, it's clear to me as well. Um, and this hasn't been off my brain because Paul McGinley never stopped talking about it for three days, but he was, but he was correct. He was correct. I mean, the, the Americans came in here spectacularly undercooked. Um, now, yeah, you and I both like horse racing, Matt. So sometimes, you know, a runner can go well fresh. Um, so we, we've, we've, we've got to be a bit careful about sort of ascribing this to everybody. But because there will be some people who benefited from the rest. Um, but 
a chunk of these Americans, I think McGinley was saying it was nine of the 12, basically hadn't played for the best part of five weeks following the uh, end of the FedEx Cup. And his point was, and I thought it was a very valid one as well, they would not have done this sort of participation for a major. Now, they had the opportunity to play following the end of the FedEx Cup. There were some fall events. Justin Thomas played in one, did he not, I think? Um, Maybe I'm wrong. So they had the opportunity to play. Some of these players chose not to. Um, They could have come to the BMW PGA Championship at Weltworth, where I'm sure they would have been welcomed with open arms. So yeah. in, in terms of the undercooked issue, I think that's an, I think that's something that has to go down to the players as much as anything else. Um, it is also true that some of them had not seen much of the golf course. I'm not saying that the Euros had been like playing every event there, because it's not like Rory McIlroy went to the Italian Open this year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think he, ha- if my memory serves, he has been and played in an Italian Open in well, the past, and, and obviously Fitzpatrick has as well. So they had they had at least seen the course a lot of the a lot of the Europeans. Like you say, with the horse racing angle, the fresh the the, the, the fact that they hadn't played that much golf. Maybe maybe is an issue because you've got the example of Robert McIntyre, who, I don't know, arguably played too much golf. He literally played as much golf as he possibly could. Um, played in Prague, played in Switzerland, played in... He played in France as, as, as recently as the other week. Um, apparently, Patrick Cantlay didn't, didn't go on their scouting trip to Marco Simone a few weeks ago. Um, so he did have that round at Marco Simone a few weeks ago. So... I don't know. I think that's just this thing of not playing, being a bit rusty, being being too fresh. I think it's just a sort of another excuse. Like as you say, I don't think John Rahm, for example, is that familiar with the golf course. Till Hatton would be. I think he's played in plenty of Italian Opens. Tommy Fleetwood has played in plenty of Italian Opens. Um, Nikola Hoygaard won the Italian Open in twenty twenty one. I think. So in in Europe's regard. I think I wrote that in our in my five reasons why Europe could win the Ryder Cup that they do have a bit of local knowledge, um, but I wouldn't say that is the is a key reason why America were beaten. The the key reason why America were beaten was is it just they, they just sort of they just sort of bottled it really. I think that they just couldn't cope with the atmosphere. So the golf course was I think was it was a sort a semi important factor. Um, but Max Homer didn't struggle with it. He played really, really well this week. I thought Brian Harmon had a fairly solid debut. Um, but I don't think... I think that's just... It's a theory more than a genuine excuse why America lost, I think. I mean, the, I, I don't think... Maybe listeners can prove me wrong, but I don't think this course was, you know, quotes, tricked up in the way that Le Golf National was in Paris five years ago. I think, you know, if you were wide, you got punished in some rough, but you had to be pretty wide. Um, you, could, you, could, you could get out of the first cut. And the Americans were, particularly with opening tee shots, very, very wide. And, mm. you know, if, you, if you're very, very wide, you shouldn't have an easy shot. So, I mean, let, let, let's go through some of these... Um, some of these autopsy um, comments that we've seen over the last yeah. sort of twenty four hours. I mean, we've we've kind of got into uh, the course there a little bit. Um, so let's let's talk about the format because obviously the United States got stuffed at foursomes. I think it was seven one altogether. That is traditionally, I think, if you look back through Ryder Cups, been um, a format where the Americans have struggled and the Europeans have excelled. Alternate shot. It's not a it's not a regularly played format at golf clubs, at our golf clubs. Never mind, um, never mind at um, at top level events. So, I mean, what is it about foursomes? Do you think, Matt, that the Europeans really excel in? Why why can we get these really good partnerships together, and why do the Americans struggle with alternate shot? I don't know because obviously Luke Donald. He, he, to be fair, he played he played a real blinder having foursomes in the first sessions as well. Get Europe off to a good start. Um, I don't know. Uh, at the end, in the women's press conference, they did allude to how much they all like each other and how much they have a laugh and take the piss out of each other and um, how how they're quite a close friendship group. So maybe that helps in the foursomes format in that they're very comfortable playing each other's ball. If you know what I mean, um, they're not. They're not. They're not. Maybe that helps to decrease the tension and the pressure of playing playing someone else's ball. Um, 
because other than that, I can't really think of a reason why Americans who are actually higher ranked, well, for the majority are higher ranked, can't play foursome as well as as well as Europe. It is it is quite astonishing. Um, I, 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 that's what I would point to the 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 togetherness and that they really maybe there's a lack of fear there um, that they don't they're not bothered about where they hit someone else's ball. I, to be honest, I don't really know because there was a clear there was there was in each afternoon there was a clear chance in each afternoon that America could pull it back. Um, there was the afternoons were far more tense in the foursome sessions. That's because America were did improve in each afternoon. Each match was quite nip and tuck, and they did obviously win the Saturday four balls three one. But I don't, I don't really know. Maybe with foursomes, you're restricting the birdie power of the American players. You're sort of suffocating them into only using one ball, and therefore there's not for these better American players. There's not as many opportunities for them to score birdies in the foursome sessions. So that's so maybe that that restrictive type type of format um, helps Europe, and it sort of nullifies in each pair of the American pair. Maybe the foursomes format nullifies the quality they have, and it's more of a level playing field. I, I, I don't know. That, that, that's that, that, that's what I'd that's what I'd say. Um, well, let me have a go then. I mean, it's a very nuanced format. Foursomes. Um, it relies on identifying a pairing's particular strengths. Mm. And then utilizing them, I think Luke Donald was very, very good at that. You know, there, there was a clear strategy about, you know, it, just going back to the opening tee shot about who was going to play the opening tee shot because that meant that the other player was going to end up hitting a lot of the approaches on a lot of key holes. And I think it goes down to sort of minute detail like that. You know, just which ball are we going to play? Who's yeah. best suited by playing which ball? Who's going to play the most par three? Take off the most par threes. What are the strengths of your game? You know, what are the strengths of my particular game? Um, I, and I think that you, the Europeans were just a bit more prepared in that area. They had they had much more of a clear plan about who was going to take which shots on the golf course. Whereas I think you, you look at that with the, you know, with the Scheffler Burns combination to start with. I just don't think that there was that same level of care. Um, and certainly into the Saturday foursomes as well. I mean, no one in their right brain is picking Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas as a Saturday four, foursomes combination after what happened in the four balls mm. on, on on Friday afternoon. It, it's That's just an insane... It, maybe it's because they were obviously down by five points and he felt that he just had to get his big guns out yeah. there. And he'd, taken yeah. some, he'd taken some criticism. They'd obviously had their previous foursomes pairings completely smashed by Europe but I mean it yeah. just it just seemed such a bizarre combination that it just well, seemed such a enough. decision that must have been off the cuff decision to do Spieth and Thomas in the Saturday foursomes surely well I mean c- clearly when you lose the first when you lose the first day six and a half one and a half I mean your plans are out the window yeah, you know, they are, be- yeah. because in in I mean, you should. I, I'm sure Luke Donald, who seemed very planned about everything, I'm sure Luke Donald had a plan for coming back from a deficit. So I'm sure mm. that I'm sure that um, it, it would have been it would have been the same thing as well for for the Americans. But they just they just seemed so set back by sort of losing the the foursomes four nil that they would they were just stunned from that and unable to recover. So let, let's let's get off that and let's move on to um, the draw. For the singles, which seemed to be another bone of contention on Sunday, hilarious one. Um, we should have a staged draw for the singles. I think they have this in the President's Cup. This is the argument. There should be a staged draw for the singles, principally. So, for entertainment's sake, we could have seen Rory McIlroy and Patrick Cantley going head to head after Hatgate, mm. which we will talk about later on, listeners. Don't worry, we will get to Rory <laughs> McIlroy. Joe LaCarva and Patrick Cantlay and Hatgate, we will get to it. Um, but, I mean, what do you think about that? I, I prefer I prefer it as it is, actually. I like the mystery that goes with this putting together a singles draw. I like the fact it seems to take ages, even if we're at work waiting for it to happen. Um, I do like the kind of who, who, how are they going to front load how are they going? Who do they think Luke? You know, who does Zach Johnson think Luke Donald's going to put there? I like the kind of air of mystery about it. I'm not sure I'd quite like a contrived draw just for the sake of it. 
Yeah, I think a contrived draw would literally just be purely for entertainment purposes. Um, I do like, yeah, I, I, I think I tend to agree. I do like the the, the mystery of it. Um, but it would sort of make me laugh. Say if, um, um, so you, Luke Donald says, okay, we'll send a John Rahm out first. I could love the idea of Zach Johnson thinking, right, well, we can't put, we can't put Ricky Fowler against uh, John Rahm. We probably can't put Sam Burns against John Rahm. Who could we put against John Rahm? So that, I think that would be quite the entertainment thing of it. I mean, do you, do you think that, I mean, I think there's a possibility that Donald caught Johnson off guard, even with the, even with the initial one. I mean, I'm pretty sure Donald um, Johnson would have thought Rory McIlroy would have gone out first yeah, because he, because yeah. he has, I mean, he, he led the line every time since, you know, after Glen Eagles, I actually thought it was brilliant putting him forth um, because I thought it took the pressure off him a little bit. You know, I, yeah. I, I know he's, I know he's had an exceptional Ryder Cup McIlroy we can talk about that a bit in some detail as well, but I, I do. I think he's previously struggled under this kind of "it's all down to me" thing, um, and to sort of see Ram and particularly Hovland as well step up so magnificently mm. for this Ryder Cup. Um, Ram was an absolute titan at whistling straights as well, um, and then to to say to McElroy, "Just go and get me a point," without him having to be at the vanguard of it as well was was a really good thing, I think. It was a really clever piece of captaincy. Yeah, it's almost like having an opening batsman and sort of moving him down the order a bit, I thought. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a great, I thought it was a great idea. To, I think Justin Rose was unlucky to bump into Patrick Cantlake because I thought it was a great idea to send him out in sort of third. Um, he was so impressive this week, Justin Rose. I, I think I, I tweeted in the week, like, we've got all these young superstars that we all rave about each week. But I really was excited to see Justin Rhodes playing this Ryder Cup because he's still got that quality. Obviously, he won at Pebble Beach earlier in the earlier in the year. He's still got that quality, and and it showed so well because he he sort of nurtured Bob McIntyre in his in their first pairing together in the afternoon on Friday, and then to take down Spieth and Thomas to with them two that is absolutely a brilliant a brilliant performance. <clears throat> so I enjoyed the fact that he went out third, and I thought, yeah. Keep, keep catch him off guard with McElroy in fourth. I, th- I think because um, then putting McElroy in fourth that doesn't guarantee that he plays Cantlay or Scheffler or maybe Thomas. And then turned out he plays Sam Burns. And then to be fair, I think a majority of us would have thought McElroy was always going to beat Sam Burns, despite a bit of Burns resurgence on Saturday afternoon. Um, and and so, so it proved. And so it yeah. proved. Um, the crowds. So let's talk about the crowds. I mean, the Ryder Cup now is unbelievably partisan. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that. I think it. I think the atmosphere on the first tee is tremendous. As you know, it, it, it is a it is a big sporting event. I have no issue. I do have an issue when it goes over the line, um, and it mm. and it did go over the line a couple of times this week, which is a consequence of. Very hot days, people drinking a lot of alcohol. Yeah. That's, that happens at every sporting event. Um, I did find some of the some of the sort of bleating about this um, a little a little weird, considering the atmosphere that we get in America, in particular. You know, I'm thinking about Hazeltine and Whistling Straits. Um, Hazeltine, in particular, which obviously was fanned by particular reasons. Um, but we're going to Bethpage in two years' time, where I think it's going to make Marco Simone look like a bit of a playground. Um, so, I mean, what did you, I mean? Obviously, you were out about amongst it. I was not. I was sort of sat listening to it on TV. I could hear it. Um, but I mean, what did you make of the crowds? Was it anything like an issue? And and how do you think that Europe are going to be able to put up with the New Yorkers in two years? I mean, I was there for the PGA Championship in 2019. And mm. those and those boys heckle. Those boys and girls yeah. heckle. I mean, yeah, I think I think Beth, I think the Beth Page fans might raise it up and up because I honestly don't think I don't think the European fans are that bad. Like you get the odd idiot, but you can say that for anything. Like say if a, a football fan in a crowd does something stupid, like gets banned for something, that's only one idiot. And when just before Scotty Sheffield teed off on Friday, hitting the first tee shot. You know, someone shouted, you stink, like, as he was limbering up. And then someone did a loud, ironic achoo. Like, that, that's the odd idiot. But the rest of it, 
it's all. I think it's all fair game. Like on on the tee when the Americans come on and there's there's booing, but it's not real booing. It's it's ironic booing, I think. And and then you've got you've got all, all the cheering. You know, to be fair, I, I didn't hear much of the Ryder Cup Guardians because they were sort of drowned out by the bigger crowds that were singing actually sort of quite funny songs. You know, the the, the European fans like the Cranberries. They've got a, they're a big fan of the Cranberries. Uh, singing um, Shane Lowry's name to it to the to the zombie song, singing Roy McRoy's name to it. Um, so they've had a good week, the Cranberries. But I, I thought the, I thought the crowds were quite funny singing. It, it sort of descended into non-league chants as well. Like, can we play you every week? Um, we're the right side of the tee. We're the middle of the tee. Um, wind and where's your ball? <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. <laughs> so I thought that was. I think that's quite funny. And say if say if someone was singing at me, Shivers, where's your ball? I, I think that's quite funny. And I know that is a reason why a lot of people are turned off by the Ryder Cup is is the fact that they aren't traditional golf crowds. You know, they're not sitting in silence with the binoculars clapping away after a good shot. Um, but I thought like the hat stuff with Cantley when Cantley teed off against Rose on yesterday, um, Cantley got the fans all worth waving their hats at him all the way down the hole, and I imagine they were all the way around the course, but I've, I've, I think the crowds were fine. I mean, and that's why I think Beth Page will be a different story because it's in New York, isn't it? And I think New York golf fans and sports fans in general are famously sort of passionate. So I think that'll go up a notch, but all the players don't care either. Like McElroy says, we get it, they get it here, we get it there. So I don't really see what, I, I don't, unless something really bad happens, like it sounds like Brookline was particularly bad, to be fair, um, but I think it's all fair game. It's killing the Ryder Cup, Chiv. It's killing it. The the crowds—they're too partisan. The home crowds—we've got to do something about it. But I think I think that tribe, a bit of tribalism, a bit of it is it, it's it is what makes it great. It is, yeah, it is what makes build, it great. It builds it, you know. Like when the announcer says on the tee, he goes Scottish chef, like they'll go boo, and then and then they go John Rahm, they all go mad, they all go. He just says John Rahm's name, and they all go mad like he's just hold, made a holding one. Um, it's absolutely class. I, 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 to be there, looking at that stand, it was such a multicoloured stand, all different sort of European colours and USA colours. And I was speaking to a couple from Florida on the train back last night, and they, and that, and they were saying how much they enjoyed sitting amongst European fans, like. They, 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 were they would sometimes get booed by the European fans, and they, and they just sit there and laugh. So I don't, I think, I don't think the crowds are, are, are half as much of an issue on this occasion that as having been there. Then I think people were making out. It's all rather clouding over the fact that um, Europe won this Ryder Cup because they played well, yeah. better. They came into this Ryder Cup with their big stars in better form, I think, than some of the American stars. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Hovland had recently won the Tour Championship. McElroy, for a while, looked like he was going to win every event that he played in. Rahm had peaked off a little bit, but had obviously won the Masters. Um, in 2021 at Whistling Straits, the, that, that American team were all in there in just fantastic form. Yeah. I mean, they, they were struggling to like, oh, my God, we can't pick Kevin Kisner. We can't pick... You know, we can't pick Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel, I think, had won the match play ID that year in twenty one. I, I, I might, I might be wrong there, but anyway, he'd, he'd had, he'd had a cracking time, and their, 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 their team was so strong that they were leaving out like people who'd won very recently. And mm-hmm. and there isn't, there is an argument that maybe Zach Johnson made a mistake with Bryson DeChambeau, and maybe he made a mistake with Lu, with Lucas Glover. Um, that's for another day. We can't really always second guess yeah. it. But, but 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 this time for me, the Europeans were in better form. I think one to eight, they always looked. I mean Hatton again. I mean I've forgotten about Tyrrell Hatton. Looked like he was going to win every tournament he played in for a while. Didn't win any. Yeah. But, but looked Fleetwood. like he was Tommy Fleetwood as well. Tommy Fleetwood like really playing well on the PGA Tour. Europe's big stars were all absolutely primed going into this event, and um, although we didn't. Um, we didn't discount their abilities. I think perhaps some people did look at the sort of eight to twelve of Europe's team and think, 
I'm not sure about these. Are they mm. are they going to be able to step up? Bob McIntyre was nervous first day, absolutely. Then absolutely stormed it second and third day. I mean, Oberg, Ludwig Oberg is an absolute star. I think everyone thought he was going to be great anyway. But um, Hoygaard, you know, did his thing in the event. You know, Europe from 1 to 12, I think everybody, everybody contributed to it. They all contributed on the first day, I think, which might be wrong, but I think they did because Hoygaard halved with Rahm in the afternoon, McIntyre halved, Lowry and Stracker got a point in the morning. Um, even Fitzpatrick got a point on on, on Friday afternoon. So I think they all got they all earned a point. Um, and I, I, I was nervous for McIntyre this week. I, on Thursday, I saw the practice the practice groups tee off, um, and McIntyre virtually hit his first tee shot sideways on on off the first tee. He absolutely duck hooked it right. I sort of thought, God, like, what sort of week is he going to have? I know one drive isn't indicative of his whole game, but there was footage earlier, earlier in the week of him not being happy with his with his long game on the driving range as well. But fair play to him. He absolutely smoked his first drive of the tournament down the middle as well. And although he, he, I think he admitted that he let Justin Rose down, which is probably a bit harsh on himself, he just didn't contribute as much as I thought he, he, thought he probably would. But fair play, he... he Came up with a lot with the goods to beat Thomas and Spieth alongside Rose and beating the US Open champion in the singles. You know, I, I, I know the Ryder Cup was done by then, but it, it might not have been done. And he, and he was up until the very end. So fair play to him. I, I, I to, be, to be honest, I had little confidence in him coming into the week. Um, and he, I think he proved a lot of it. You know, two and a half points unbeaten on your first Ryder Cup. You know, that is, that is a really, really good effort. And, Maybe Hoygaard would have, maybe Hoygaard would have wanted to earn a, a, a point or two more, but you know it can't always go that way. Sepp Stracker didn't. Sepp Stracker could be in the same ballpark. He earned a point alongside Shane Lowry, um, but I'm sure Sepp Stracker will come on. You know he's a two-time PGA Tour winner, um, runner-up at the Open. So I think as much as we all rave about how the future of American Ryder Cup teams is bright, I think that's been completely dashed now. And I can't see why there's not more promise for Europe. There's doing some really the, good partnerships have been formed. Doing the proclaimers though on the bus, Bob. I mean, come on, come and on, I, come on. Um, I, I've got a lot of friends who are Hearts fans. If there are any Hearts fans? They, <laughs> they will understand immediately what I'm talking about. It's not an in joke. The um, the proclaimers are famed Hibernian fans. Um, so Hearts fans don't like that song. Consequently, neither do I. Um, but, but moving on, um, Zach Johnson's uh, Zach Johnson's picks went four twelve and four this week, according to the statisticians. So that shows you everything about the fact that he had six of them. He appeared to have got it wrong, um, but then those players didn't play either. Two more years, Chiv. Two more years for Luke Donald. What do you think? Will he do it for a start? Hmm. He, he was asked that in the press conference after they won. Roy McIlroy said, I think we'd all be happy that if Donald was to do it again in Beth Page, um, which is quite interesting. I don't see why not. I think he... If anything, you could argue that each European captain should get a home and away Ryder Cup at some point. Because you've got Harrington, who's just got battered to pieces in Western Straits. Yeah, I'm sure he was a great captain. So you've got Darren Clark, who had an away Ryder Cup. So maybe this could be a thing where Ryder Cup captains get banks of two. They get a chance to go away and they get a chance to go home. So I'd be all for Luke Donald's being captain again. You'd have to ask question who's in line to replace him. Um, I think the candidates were like Robert Carlson. And Paul Laurie last time. Obviously, Henry Stenson was removed. And maybe, maybe well, not next time, but if if golf becomes united at some point, maybe there is a way back for people like Westwood and Poulter to be a captain. Garcia is never going to be involved ever again, obviously. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out someone like Poulter, Westwood or McDowell being captain one day. Um, but obviously, you'd have to assume they wouldn't be. You'd have to look at the candidates. I think I think you'd choose Luke Donald again. I think you definitely would. And then maybe in in at, at a day of manner in twenty twenty seven, 
if Justin Rhodes is done by then, he'll be 47. Not unheard of, of course, because Westwood was like 48, 49 when he played in Western Straits. So, I mean, I, I've got to yeah. tell you, I, I don't think it's a question of whether Donald is chosen again. I think the question is, will he choose to do it? Um, I suspect he won't um, because obviously going to Bethpage is going to be massively difficult. Home advantage is obviously extremely important now for reasons that we've talked about earlier on. Um, you know, the, the last time that Europe won in the United States was Medina, and that was an absolute freak um, yeah, from, from a last day. So um, the, the, the likelihood is that his team will go over there and it will be difficult, very difficult. Um, he can quit after two years and his legacy is absolutely secured forever. He's going to be invited to all those Sky Sports Ryder Cup captains dinner programs for the rest <laughs> of his life. Um, you know, you can dine out on it with celebratory speeches probably for the rest of his life as well. Would you necessarily put that on the line at, at Beth Page Black? I'm, I'm not sure that you. Um, I'm not sure that you would. I mean, obviously, who knows what's going to happen with the live golfers? Um, they've all got to rejoin the Europe, the European Tour for a start. Yeah, um, but but if but if they did, then I mean. There are obvious candidates for Beth Page, but I mean, th- but there's the idea, isn't there, that you need a combative candidate for Beth Page? Um, you know, the idea was wasn't wasn't it, it was going to be Mickelson against Poulter? I'm not mm. sure that's what you want. I think I think in that kind of atmosphere, you want someone who's very very calm. Um, so I'm sure that the I'm sure that the European Ryder Cup committee will be doing everything they can to get Luke Donalds to go again in two years because it solves them an issue um, because there isn't an obvious replacement um for 2025 there isn't, is there that's the thing um but there could be in 2027 and 2029 um with some of the players who are getting a bit older i mean if justin doesn't justin rose doesn't make the 2025 team you can absolutely have him at beth page with a view for him being at adair manor so yeah. they, they think about all these things a, a lot more than we Cold do Arts, he's a vice captain isn't he but they think about these things a lot more than we do yeah. um and They've got it pretty spot on. I mean, I, I thought Harrington was a really good captain. I thought his team just came up against an absolute whirlwind in the United States yeah, at Whistling Straits, and it, and it was and you know you could have had, you could have taken Luke Donald, parachuted him into Whistling Straits. The result would have been exactly the same. Too many too many European players out of form. Too many American players in form um, on a golf course that everyone thought might actually suit the Europeans. We'll talk yeah, a little bit. At the, we'll talk a little bit at the end about Beth Page before we go. But um, let's see what happens. I mean, obviously the door is there for Donald if he wants it. Right. We are thirty odd minutes, nearly forty minutes into this podcast, and we haven't talked about it yet. So let's talk about Hatgate because you had a front row seat um, to some of this stuff going on in Rome as it as it was happening. Um, what, what did you make of the whole thing? I mean, was it like overblown? Was it out of proportion? I mean, not only. I mean, it, it certainly, I think, for a while, galvanised the United States. It gave them something to cling yeah. on to, you know, when Cantley was getting, when all the fans were sort of waving their cap at him. Um, but then these extraordinary scenes on Saturday night as well in the car park between Rory McIlroy and um, and Jim Bones Mackay. I mean, McIlroy, absolutely really hot about it. I mean, you, you were there in Rome. You were obviously able to get some of the atmosphere. What, what did you make of Hatgate? Well, what annoyed me a bit when to Jamie Weir tweeted all those the, the information he's obviously been given by people that Patrick Cantlay was leading a divide in the in in the, in the American dressing room, and this had come from the fact that he wants to be paid to play in the Ryder Cup, um, and he's showing a protest at not being paid by not wearing a cap. And what annoyed me after after Cantlay had held the bomb against McElroy and Fitzpatrick. And then in the press conference, Jamie Weir absolutely went for him and said, um, do you think players should be paid? He said, that's not about that. He said, do you think players should be paid? Can you answer the question, please? He didn't really answer it. Um, but it, it, it does seem there is something there with Cantlay in terms of wanting to be paid to play in the Ryder Cup. And I think that is another reason why Europe do do have a, such a good home record is that European players see it as an honour to play in the Ryder Cup and then maybe, maybe some American players see it as, as an obligation. But anyway, um, yeah, obviously from then you had 
all, all the all the fans waving their hats around, um, and, I, and I think it did galvanise America just because they, they certainly had something to play for more when Cantlay boxed that part. But it did it did galvanise. What annoyed me was when the Americans were sort of laughing at the idea that um, he he wasn't wearing a hat, and they were laughing at the idea that there was this claim that he thinks he should be paid to play in the Ryder Cup. And what annoys me is that it seems like that's probably true, yet you've got a load of players laughing at a journalist um, or reporter that's, that's reporting information. It does sound like Cantley. It um, has shown some antics this week. Didn't show up to a, reportedly didn't show up to a gala dinner. Um he wasn't yeah, well, appa- yeah just just on that apparently he did go to the dinner he did um, he did go to it but he didn't stay for the dinner um he but that that is the reports i don't know whether they're true or not mm. but 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 the reports are actually that he did turn up right so i think my point is that someone's lying here in terms of zach johnson and them all saying they love each other and it's the most together and it's the most together dressing room but some us sources told jamie that it's not, and Cantlay's leading a divide. And the car park, basically, I, I wanted to be in two places at once. I was, I was, I was, I was originally type, typing up the Cantlay stuff with Jamie, and then all this car park stuff was going on. Um, I wasn't actually there. I, I think very few reporters actually saw it. Um, it was tweeted by Rory Tracker, wasn't it? So it was in the car park. Basically, the car park is below the clubhouse, in between the 18th green and the putting green. And it was where a lot of players were, were congregating and caddies were congregating to then walk up to the first tee. So it, it, I spent quite a lot of bit of time around there and the media interview area as I was trying to sort of grab players and things like that. Um, so I think I didn't, I didn't actually see it, and the, I think very few reporters did. But it was, it was very, very, yeah. Being there, it, it was almost as if America, very much like when Poulter. Um, hold those putts in the Saturday afternoon in Medina. They were so far behind America on Saturday. However, they did have more of a reason to want to win. Because... I mean, what did you make of the atmosphere then on, on the Sunday morning around that? And, and I mean, obviously you had a chance to talk to Rory after the event um, in the in the post-player press conferences. I mean, have you ever seen a situation, I mean, like regardless of the veracity of the... Of, of the comments about the hat and, and and so on. I mean, we did have this extraordinary situation with LeCarver and McElroy on the 18th, um, which then obviously spilled over in, into the car park. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that on a, on a golf course at all? And, and I mean, clear, as I said, you, you know, you, you had a chat with Rory where obviously this came up because it's one of the obvious questions to ask. I mean, what, what's your feeling about it all? And what, what did McElroy say about well, it? Yeah, there was me and sort of three or four other reporters that sort of surrounded him as he was drenched by alcohol. And it was predominantly the Irish reporters that were asking him the questions. And he said that um, the spirit in which they he played the match with Fitzpatrick against Cantlay and Wyndham Clark, I think it was, the spirit in which he had played the match wasn't reciprocated by La Cava on that final green because he had been stood in McElroy's line of vision as McElroy had a subsequent bird depart. And then there was words exchanged in the 18th green between Lowry and La Cava as well. So, I mean, the footage is pretty damning of La Cava, isn't it? Like, a caddy behaving like that. I don't really understand why a caddy would be behaving like that. Surely, to, I mean, to stoke up the crowd, fine. I think that's fine. To wave your cap and to stoke up the crowd, fair play. Um, can't they just hold a massive putt, which has had a big ramifications for the match. But then to sort of be a bit, to refuse and to be a bit petulant towards Rory when Rory would, would just be asking him to sort of step step to one side and to then be a bit, a bit petulant and obstinate. I thought, you know, that, 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 that that's how, a player shouldn't behave like that, let alone a caddy. So I, I know he's caddied for Tiger for years, and well, over the years he's caddied for Tiger before. So I don't know whether he thinks he's, he's entitled to behave like that, but I thought it was very bizarre behaving from a caddy. 
And the footage is very, very damning. It, it looked like he just lost his mind for a few minutes. Texts have been exchanged. and They had, yeah. And he also apologised to Bones. Have been resolved. Apparently he apologised to Bones as well over text because Bones was... Yeah, Macaron. Yeah, yeah, was ushering him away into a car, as we saw in the video as well. So, I mean... All makes good TV though, doesn't it? Incredible, to be fair. Like... It was it was certainly fuel for for the final for the final day, and then me and a load of other reporters were were particularly keen to see the reception of Cantley and La Carver on the first tee, and it wasn't that rowdy to be fair. They didn't get that much stick, just a regular booing. Um, I think La Carver got a bit of stick um, than he would usually get, um, but then Rory was the match out after Cantley and Rose, and then he got a huge cheer. Um, so yeah. It's all a bit of like theatre pantomime, isn't it? It, it? it made for an exciting final day. I mean, if you're if if you're um, that sensitive that a couple of thousand people waving their hats at you um, causes you a massive problem, which I'm not suggesting no. it did at all for Cantley, actually. Um, but but the point I'm making is, you know, I mean, it, it, as as terrace as terrace chants go. It's pretty soft, yeah. Um, and I'm sure, again, as 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 we've alluded to, that um, there's going to be a lot more of it at Beth Page Black. Um, I mean, let, let's throw the let's throw it forward then to Beth Page in two years. The bulk of this European team is going to play. I think the bulk of this American team is going mm-hmm. to play as well. I mean, there'll obviously be some there'll obviously be some uh, talk about whether the live players will be reintegrated. Um, you know, Dustin Johnson's been an absolute horse for the Ryder Cup. He's been unbelievable, and so you know, might not have been in the huge form, but would have absolutely got a captain's pick had he been playing on the PGA Tour. There was obviously some controversy about Bryson DeChambeau and whether he deserved to go in the light of, of those um, live victories. Um, but let's assume, and it's a big assumption, but let's assume that that the live PGA tour schism is sorted out by the time we've got to 2025. I mean, do you think it'll make a massive amount of difference? Do you think that um, this American team is probably going to be fairly similar mm-hmm. at Beth Page? I mean, I, I can't think that we're going to see much change in the European team. That top eight looks set. Certainly. I agree with that. Um, yeah. With Brooke, if you look at Brooks Kepka. I mean, obviously, two major performances got him his place, didn't it? So he came obviously second to the Masters and won the PGA. So it, it just depends if any of those live golfers can win a major, in my opinion. If, if DeChambeau can win a US, US Open or a PGA Championship, or if Dustin can win the Masters, or if Brooks Koepka can win the Masters, it all comes down to their performance in majors, I think. Um, because Brooks was on the cusp of qualifying automatically. And to be fair to him... Um, I don't think he's burnt any bridges with any American players or any American officials. So I think he was a good fit for the team, regardless of where he plays his golf. That's why I didn't think DeChambeau was a good fit, because he was part of, part of the group that litigated against the PGA Tour. He's very polarising, divisive figure, isn't he? I think he, he admits that he's different himself. Um, and... I mean, if there, if people thought there was a divide or a bit of, yeah, a bit of a divide in this team with Patrick Cantlay, then if DeChambeau was there, there might have certainly been one. Um, but I think the American team would look fairly similar. And I think the European team would look fairly similar too. I, think, I suppose there's no guarantees. The sort of wild cards that weren't wild cards were like Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon, who qualified off the back of major wins. People wouldn't have been expecting them to be on the team, certainly not to qualify automatically. Um, so if you have those two players, for example, maybe they're not guaranteed to be playing in 2025, depending on if they can keep their major form up. Because obviously without their major wins, I'm not sure they'd have been selected at all. Maybe I'm wrong. But if we look towards the, the European team, Ram Hovland, McElroy, Fitzpatrick, Hatton, Aberg, Fleetwood... Those are all guarantees, I think. The only variables would be maybe Stracker, Hoygaard. I mean, Hoygaard might go from strength to strength now. He is still very, very young. McIntyre. There are some players that aren't guaranteed to be in Beth Page, but probably will. Um, 
and we've also got a load of. I think everyone now is not going to is not going to be caught off guard anymore. They're going to be looking for the next Ludwig Aberg. So people are going to be scanning the PGA Tour, university rankings, and college golf. Um, you've got Vincent Norman on DP World Tour. I think he'll probably be in the team in two years' time. So I think they will look similar. There are, but obviously there are going to be a few variables um, in in each team. It just depends whether Europe will go for this young outlook. I think that's why Moronk wasn't chosen because he's a bit older, whereas Hoygaard will be looking to make that Beth Page team. So I think Europe will be looking, yeah, looking to virtually have eight of the same players at least. And I think America will probably be looking at that too. You've got a date with the Coliseum and the Vatican. I have. Um, I have. In your, in your whistle-stop um, <laughs> trip around Rome before you get the most convoluted journey back anyone has ever had. Just for the listeners, it's incredible. So, so Chiv's now got to get a train um, into the centre of Rome. He's then got to get a train from Rome um, to Milan mm. and then his flight from Milan... Assuming I'm going, I'm assuming you're going back to yes. Manchester. Um, I mean, just um, so before I let you get your whistle stop tourism trip around Rome in there, enjoy the next five hours. Um, just give me your reflections on um, the 44th Ryder Cup and and what you've seen this week at Marco Simone. Uh, amazing, honestly. I, I've I think it's the best thing I've ever been to. To be honest, I, I've been to. I, I don't want to disrespect the Open because I do love the Open. But I think it's because I've been to the Open four or five times now that it's that I'm just used to the, like the buzz of that. I love the Open; it's amazing. But that ride, that the Ryder Cup was just the crowds lining the fairways and just like the passion of the crowds and the drama and it's match play. I think it's just match play as well. It gives a whole different feel to the event. Um, the first tee shot was incredible. Um, just the colour of the crowd, the, the, the colour of the stands. The, the, the setting is amazing, to be fair, in Rome as well. The setting's amazing. And the course was magnificent. And it was so finely poised between the two teams. There was enough drama each, it, during the week. Um, so I'm so pleased I've come. It, it's been absolutely... It's, it's an amazing event. I couldn't, I couldn't implore anyone to try and come there as, as, as much as they can. I know it's expensive, but if you can save up and try and come to a Ryder Cup because there is just there is nothing like being at a Ryder Cup I don't think enjoy the delights Chiv of the eternal city at least for the morning um if you are listening to us please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already um you can check out all of Chiv's reflections and analysis um from every step of the Ryder Cup by taking a look at our website nationalclubgolfer.com we will see you next week Thanks for joining us. Right, mate.